Hey everyone, welcome to episode 94 of You Heard It Here Second. New episodes are released every week on DerekAndSteve.com and on iTunes as well. So just search for Derek and Steve or You Heard It Here Second and make sure to subscribe today. The male, if you can believe it or not, his name, this is real, is Tennis. So he's going to win. Derek and Steve <laughs> present. It's just, it just, you know, crapping your pants at the wrong moment. I'm suffering because the food is bad, people are fat, and um, nobody is honest. Like, everybody say some bullshit stuff. Non-story Gee, no, alert. Okay, but we sound should, the alarms We here. should sound the alarms for a non-story. Tell me the biggest sports story that you saw this week. Tiger Woods. That is wrong, Steve. <laughs> that is not the biggest sports story. It isn't even a sports story for the, for the weekend. Nice. You heard it here second. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 94 of You Heard It Here Second. I am Derek alongside Steve. Steve, what's going on? Uh, well, not much is going on, Derek. I think my Monday is going a bit better than I your, your Monday. I think your Monday is better than my Monday. I think, um, I think that's accurate. Yeah. And uh, what's the reason for that, Derek? You know, the reason for that is um, because... Because the stock market took a terrible hit today. That's, <laughs> it was just a pot. They're why. piling it on. Yeah. The Pats lost, and the Dow plunged <laughs> 1,175 points, the worst decline in history. Yeah, it's just literally a week after we get into investing. Yeah, literally, so, we're like, you know what? We should each download Robinhood and let's invest. Invest a, whatever free money we have. Yep. We so, literally crashed the market. Yeah. So my Monday is going great. Every um, company I invested in went bankrupt. <laughs> And me too. So, so, that's, so it stinks. It investing's stinks. hard. We have huh? No money left. Yeah. It was easy for the first couple of days. <laughs> it was, then it got real hard, real fast. So yeah, it did. So that's our opening drive. Actually, um, the stock market is is way down. I. We don't do opening drives all the time. We don't. So here's my take on this. I have no thoughts about it because I am not in this. I have literally just <laughs> dipped my toe into the investment world. Yep. And I have lost hundreds of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> No, I haven't lost that much, but it's it's pretty wild, like how like how volatile it is. Yeah, yeah. I was up a, a hundred or so, down a hundred or so. Yeah, and it's just been plummeting for the last week plus. And uh, I was told by our roommate, sell low, not to sell low, sell very so low. So I'm just not <laughs> sell low, and I'll just let it keep dropping until my portfolio is down to zero dollars. And then you'll buy everything. And every again. company is bankrupt, and then I'll buy again. And then I'll, I'll let it go down again to Get zero. back on the horse. <laughs> so, so that's the plan right now. The plan um, is this is a good this is a good thing because now everything's cheap. Now yeah. Just go out and buy more cheap stuff. <laughs> that's a great point. So great point. Everyone who's sad about losing all this money, just think about how much more you can buy. Just now. think about how much yeah. more you can buy for for, 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 for smaller amount yeah. for the same price. How much more you can get? Exactly. So, so there you go. That's how investors. Spin zone. It's like a gambling addict's problem. It's how they justify gambling. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, obviously the numbers work out, but it's just such a backwards yeah. theory. Like, continue to throw money at it if you're losing. That's what yeah, you should do. I agree. That's what you do yeah. at the blackjack table. Just, just just keep going. I feel it. I feel it coming on. <laughs> so uh, so there's the opening drive. The stock market is we, way down, we obviously didn't know. We obviously don't know anything about it. We know nothing <laughs> about it, except for that we're losing money. Correct. Very fast. Mm -hmm. So, uh, <laughs> I'm hemorrhaging cash. <laughs> um, all right. So we got a standard episode for you. Three periods. Pretty heavy sports talk, I would say. In fact, mostly all of the episode will be about sports, mostly all about one sporting event. So yes. um, as we get into the first period, we'll do the BC update. Got another dude! Hey! What's better than this? Guys being dudes. 
Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Award, Ultimate Dudes. Got another dude! O-Line U, bunch of dudes. All right, so not a ton to talk about in the BC update. Let's first talk about the one that we just witnessed happen, which is kind of disappointing. We talked about this last week. The yeah. bean pot is here. Uh, and before Steve even got home and ate his dinner, BC was eliminated from the bean pot. <laughs> yeah, so, by a hefty margin. <laughs> uh, three to nothing, Northeastern beats BC. Uh, scored a goal in each period. I didn't even get home until the start of the third. I turned it on. It was second intermission, two nothing already, Northeastern. BC had the 5.30 p.m. start time, and they lose. So, um from the the one silver lining from what I did see is that BC Northeastern were both are both ranked as of now like BC was around 16 Harvard and BU are not ranked so BC did draw the toughest matchup we didn't we actually didn't have any idea who the toughest matchup was last week because yeah. we didn't know how any of these teams were doing but as it turns out Northeastern is apparently the best team uh, of the four beanpot teams this year for whatever that's worth um, so BC loses three nothing they have lost three beanpot games in a row. For the first time since 1975, it's over 40 years. That's so. That is very surprising. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, yeah. but BC is known to not just be perennial perennial all stars, but yeah. to also dominate the bean pot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is where we really shine. And I don't know if it's a down couple years for BC, down recruiting class, or an up years for these other schools because Harvard won last year and they yeah. hadn't won in 20 years. Now Northeastern is the best team, and they yeah. haven't won in 20 years. I think it's a mix of both. So I think we're just yeah. kind of hitting the perfect storm of the bad teams being at least better than us this year mm -hmm. and us being way worse than usual. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully, I mean, it's not like one and done, like yeah. uh, basketball. These yeah. kids stayed all four years. Mm -hmm. So it may be a class that's not as good, but – You'll you'll continue to get young talent, and hopefully yeah. within a couple of years you'll be back to where you're supposed to be. Yeah, it's a program mentality. It's not a one and done mentality. It's uh, it's a very um, high prestige coach and program in Jerry York and BC. So I'm not worried about Boston College having a couple down years. I have read from other sources that they're a very young team. I don't I haven't looked at their roster really, but um, you know, obviously tough for them. Northeastern looking to advance, they've advanced to the finals now, looking for their first Beanpot championship since 1988. So that's a very long time as well. Mm -hmm. And Harvard, when they just won, uh, I think it was last year, they won first time in 24 years, as we just saw in the promo. So if you do the math there, that was 24 consecutive years of BC or BU winning the Beanpot, which See, is unbelievable. Which is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it, like the Beanpot shouldn't yeah. exist if that's, the, yeah. if they should just throw yeah. BC and BU together and yeah. call it the Bean. The BC pot or the yeah. Boston pot, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, so this is good for the bean pot. It it's good for Boston. It's good for these schools. It may be bad in the long run for BC hockey if these other teams start getting good because yeah. BC obviously has the best, uh, the highest prestige of mm -hmm. all of them. But mm -hmm. I'm sure there's hockey players who would not have gotten into BC mm -hmm. based on their academics yeah. who can easily go to, obviously not Harvard, or I guess Northeastern. Well, some good of too. these schools, in, yeah, yeah. Well, right, yeah, Northeastern. I, I mean, these are all decent schools, yeah. but but I think there's there's other schools in Hockey East that take some of those kids away from BC. I, I mean, there's, there's schools like UNH, uh, Vermont, uh, UMass Lowell, who are good but not great academic schools, and they have had very good hockey teams for uh, in different stretches over the last 10 or 15 years. So uh, these teams can take away from BC – there is one thing I would say that could be a benefit in that the bean pot is, um, I don't want to say it's like overrated. It's, it's a little overrated, yeah. but it, but it is something that I think hockey players, especially that grew up in this area, 
there's a prestige to it. There, there is like an allure to playing in the bean pot. And if the bean pot could gain some steam with having good parity and being good hockey all the time, instead of every year being BCBU, True. then there's something to that of maybe the bean pot itself being a draw to BC, just because it's, it, if that tournament can gain some, some prestige, then it could help. Are these games factored into regular season wins and losses? They are, but they're non-conference games. So even though, um, Northeastern or, or, yeah, so I believe that it doesn't count on any conference schedule or anything. It's basically like a special tournament, but it does factor in for like the NCAA tournament. Hmm. Um, so they're not like exhibition games; they do count. Okay. So, um, so there you go. BC uh, loses in the Bean Pot, unfortunately. Uh, third straight Bean Pot game loss for them. Uh, so the other one is a better segue into our next uh, our whole sports section, and just broke like an hour before this podcast started. So BC defensive line as we've mentioned, has been phenomenal for for years. Um, Defensive line coach Paul Pascaloni, who's long tenured at BC and has been, is raved about all the time. Definitely BC's best um, position specific coach that they've probably ever had from, from everything I've read. Like he's just an amazing specialty coach uh, is leaving Boston college to go to the Detroit lions. Now that's the only actual piece of news we know. You can obviously deduce from that that he and Matt Patricia had to have developed a relationship while Patricia was here in New England mm-hmm. because that is where Matt Patricia is going to become the head coach uh, of the Detroit Lions. So um, Paul Pascaloni leaving. Do we it's know, big news. Do we know BC. in the same capacity he's going to be the D-line coach we for the We do line? not know that, but I okay. think it's th- that would be a safe assumption. I mean, um, there's no way he's going from a college D-line coach to be the defensive coordinator, I don't think. Uh, that would shock me if he was the defensive coordinator for an yeah. NFL team after being a D-line coach for an ACC team. Um, but I but think, a very good one. But a very a very good one. But I think jumping to D coordinator is a big jump there. So I would be stunned if that's what he was doing. Um, I would expect him to be the D line coach. Um, I think that would make sense. And you know, we I don't know anything more about it. It kind of came out of the blue. I hadn't heard any rumors that Patricia was, you know, courting any BC guys from that staff. But it does make some sense. I mean, they're a local team that he could have easily spent some time getting to know coaches here while he was here. Um, so that's kind of a big, big blow for BC. I would say with on that D line, hopefully it doesn't cause any, like, I, I wouldn't expect it to cause any transfers or leaves or, or uh, players leaving early for the draft mm-hmm. or anything, but we do have a pretty dominant D line with a couple of guys that decided to stay here like Zach Allen. Yeah. Um, so you got to hope that doesn't have a big impact, but a lot of those guys are going into their junior or senior year. So I, I would hope that they would kind of be set in their way at this point and not yeah. transfer because of a D-line coach. I would say I don't think position coaches get yeah. the kind of decommittal yeah. response so. as head coaches, obviously, or, or even offensive and defensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially because this team's very close. I mean, yeah. the core, the young core on the offense is mm-hmm. very close, and they're starting to recruit people mm-hmm. to come to BC. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it's very similar inside the locker room yeah. where just because a coach leaves – these kids are, are bought in. Yeah, and this is a coach leaving for a clear promotion. I mean, he's going to the NFL yeah, to be a defensive be happy line coach in the NFL. They might be playing for him in the NFL. Well, yeah. like, so so that's not, it's not a case of a coach leaving to go to another school and being like, oh, this thing's going the wrong direction. Like, it, it's a good for, – for, for whatever it's worth, you're losing a real talented coach, I think, but it's a good thing to, for the program to be sending guys to the NFL. I mean, that's yeah. – that's, that's, we talked about, like, Jeff Jagosinski, remember, and he got fired for taking an interview with the Jets, and we've ragged on, on Gene DiFilippo, the old AD, for – firing him for that reason because it's just a silly thing to do when you have an opportunity to go to the nfl as a college coach the program should be fully supportive of that because that's a a move upward to the next level that you're trying to go to if that's what you're trying to do so i think from bc standpoint you have to support him doing that as much as it kind of sucks to lose a good d-line coach um he's going to get his chance to go to the next level and uh be an nfl d-line coach so 
Yeah, and this is um, uh, Martin Jarman's first real test in the yeah. coaching carousel. Yeah. I mean, not that he I don't know. has full say in that, yeah. but I'm sure he's gonna. He's a very hands-on coordinator. Yeah, I'm sure he's gonna sit down with Adazio and they're gonna look at mm-hmm. all options. So I would yeah. be. I wouldn't be surprised for like, with a very interesting, yeah. fun young pick. Yeah, and, and it could come from within too. I don't really know exactly how that works as far as that that level of depth into a coaching staff whether they try to go from within or like you know who's out there as a as a college coach that's like going to move up to be a d-line coach should i brush up my resume i think you could i think you probably could you played d-line high school i did so i think do you think that's enough it might be enough i went to bc it might be enough next high school d-line next step is college d-line yeah and you're not eligible to play so you can coach yeah if you can't play those who can't play coach that's what i think you should do so throw your hat in the ring i think that you could be the next d-line coach for bc and then before long, you will be an NFL D-line coach. I have very good D-line moves. Yeah. So I could definitely see you um, coaching Jadavion Clowney. I could see you doing that. <laughs> yeah. So. He, uh, yeah. He's or a very Donald. coachable yeah. person. Yeah. So anything else on BC? No, I just don't like that sarcasm. <laughs> I wasn't sarcasm. That was total seriousness. Okay. All right. Brings us into period number two, which is sports. All right, sports. Sports, so we let's, made let's, it. Let's get this over with, Steve. Okay. You can uh, you can lead the segment. I'll introduce. I don't, I don't have the ability to lead the segment. I will just give you my thoughts. I would just like your thoughts. I would just give you my sobered thoughts on this uh, seg- the you- segment. I have no thoughts on the non-football stuff that happened, but I will do my best to give you thoughts on them. Non-football stuff. Like yeah. stuff that was like commercials and halftime oh, shows oh, and oh, things oh. that I – Yeah, you know. And listen, Poppy Bowl and – Listen, Derek, relax. <laughs> Take a breather. We know why you're upset. Of course. So yeah. the Patriots lose to the Eagles in the Super Bowl, um, in a very in what neutral fans are calling a very good game. One of the better, um, one of the best games. Yeah. So and and not and it it's weird because the past couple Super Bowls have had such these these defining moments. Yeah. This was just a good game. Yeah. Back and forth. The and whole so time. yeah, and like so instant instant analysis a lot. A, you know, it's not an uncommon take I've seen to say this was the most entertaining Super Bowl ever. Um, whoa. Now that is that sh- that strikes you as a whoa comment at first, but if I'm being completely neutral, um, what separates this Super Bowl from other very very exciting Super Bowls we've seen of late is that this didn't have a single lull. There, th- this was a from the get go was was trading punches just the entire game. Yeah, and so it's pretty rare to see a Super Bowl that does that. And so I think from that standpoint, excitement wise. You could make the argument that it was the most exciting Super Bowl ever, wire to wire. Like it didn't have the moment that maybe the the Falcons Super Bowl or the Seahawks Super Bowl had for the Patriots anyway. Yeah. But from end to end, it was it was a phenomenally exciting game. I think. Yeah. So, so the the final score was Eagles forty one, Patriots thirty three, and I think the line was like forty five or forty six. Oh yeah, yeah. So these teams blew the statistics out of the water in terms of offensive efficiency <laughs> yeah. the Patriots end up losing the Super Bowl without punting the ball one time first team to ever do that first team to yeah. ever do that um, neither team could stop the offense of the no. other um, so it really came down and, and it felt like one of those games that the Patriots would win it did where I mean right up until the last I mean up until the last drive with the strip sack it felt like they're those, still probably going to score this touchdown those are like, the games that pa- the Patriots win yeah if you're getting a shootout Brady's yeah. going to get the last drive and win yeah that's just how it works it's true. Um, you can beat Brady, and it's weird because, I, and and this kind of leads into the next topic. But this hasn't been either team's mo really. They're both. No. I mean, uh, Patriots obviously put up points, but the Eagles have a very strong defense. The Patriots usually have a very strong defense. Yeah. 
Um, so it was very strange to see. I think the most passing yards ever in a Super Bowl most by, yards. The th- by the third yeah. quarter. Yeah, but before the third quarter ended, it was most total yards had already been broken, that record. Yeah, most, so most just total yards in the Super Bowl. sprinting up and down the yeah. field. Yeah, absurd. Um, so, and I know you're upset, but we're going to get your thoughts on I, I am on, not. I am not upset enough to not talk about any of this. I mean, so you, you're crying a I, tiny bit, <laughs> which is bad. I'm not crying, for the record. <laughs> um, no, I'm not upset enough to to neglect any topics about this game. Okay. I'll talk about all the topics that are there. Then let's hit Except it. for maybe one, but I'm not going to say what it is. So if, unless you bring it up. I'm I, bringing we'll it just, up. We'll bring it, I'm okay. opening all the wounds. Okay, okay. Okay. So first things first, this is the actual story. I know there's a lot of fake mm-hmm. stories whenever something like this yeah. happens. This is an actual story. Uh, Malcolm Butler, who plays 98% of your defensive snaps, Super Bowl hero two years ago, if arguably your best Yeah. Defensive I, cornerback. Potentially, yeah. I think Gilmore became the best cornerback on the team, and but, I think he played really well. But Butler is a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback and a super, a proven Super Bowl hero. So, so, so my question is, he before the game, he's seen crying during the National Anthem. Yep. Some people assume uh, he's just overwhelmed with feelings. Uh, some people mm-hmm. are thinking, oh, did he get told bad news? Whatever. Um, turns out he does not play one defensive snap all game and – I think only one special team snap. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even think about the special team snap until everybody started clarifying that it was defensive. So I was like, oh, maybe he. I didn't even notice yeah, if so he, he played, played the special team. So snap. he was not just cut from the the defense because of strat. He was cut from the game. Yeah, they well, said, yeah. you you are not needed in any position. Yeah, and I wouldn't expect them to throw him into special teams if he's not a regular special teamer. That part I don't care about. Sure. Um. So. Let's, so we'll what cut you, right to the chase. So what have you heard about this? Slash, what do you think about so, this? Uh, I'll start with what I've heard because that's what we've come out today, and, and some reports have started to come out. So there are various reports, not very substantiated, but uh, Ian Rappaport's a relatively credible reporter for NFL Network. Um, what he's been hearing is that Butler uh, violated a curfew at some point in this week. Like he he was late to something. Now what what is important to know is that last weekend Butler had the flu. Like that was that was something that was relatively known. Yeah. And as I'm watching the game last night, I'm thinking. He must be sick. Like, like he must have the flu. They must not be able to play him. There's a whole other part of that that doesn't make it a valid excuse that I'll get to when you when I talk about what I think. What I've heard though is that he missed a curfew potentially. There's a rumor out there that he showed that he got caught with a bunch of weed. I don't know. Like, so I don't know where that comes from. I don't know by who. By exactly. Like, what is Bill like, Belichick? Why is he dressed if he got caught with a bunch of weed? So I don't know about the the validity of that. And on top of all that. The Patriots coaching staff has been adamant that this was not a disciplinary choice, that this was yeah. a game plan choice. So all of that leads me to what I think, and it is by far the thing that I am most angry about in this game, and it's it's directly at Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia because there's no excuse for – now, so I, I'm, I'm going to try to word this as best I can. I generally – and I've said this before a bunch of times. I support Belichick's personnel decisions. I generally always have. Um but to me, it is inexcusable to dress a guy for that game if you have no intention of playing him, like at all. And that's what they did. So, because the way the defense was playing this game, there you absolutely have to try something new. Like they were getting marched on every single drive. Yeah. They didn't force. They forced one punt the entire game. So you have to try something new. And he's a he's a Super Bowl proven Pro Bowl caliber cornerback. Yeah. So the fact he didn't play tells me he had he never had an intention of playing him. Correct. Which is the problem for me because Brandon Cooks gets hurt in this game. And you have James Devlin lining up at wide receiver. They had James Devlin, a fullback with a big neck protector on <laughs> yeah. his back, lining up out wide in this game. And Kenny Britt was inactive because they have Malcolm Butler dressed. Yeah. So that's the biggest um, issue for me is that 
this is to me there's there's no there's no way of explaining this in a positive way for the coaching staff. It's a huge blunder, no, a matter huge the, blunder. no matter how you draw it up. I think it's a terrible, terrible coaching mistake. So let me ask you this. Um, is he in a contract year? He, he's done. He's yeah, done. He, he's for sure. I mean, yeah, so, he's so, a, there's no chance he's staying here. So there was, was a – last. This there was some tension last year about him coming back. Mm-hmm. He tested free agency. They didn't give him the money he wanted. So, they signed Gilmore. Yeah. And he ended up coming back for – Well, so he had the qualifying offer from the Patriots was $4 million. And the way restricted free agency works, like someone else could assign him to an offer sheet, but the Pats would have been able to match it. And then if they didn't, the team would have to give up a first-round pick. So it's like there was this whole thing with the Saints. The Saints were, like, ready to sign him. There was this whole weird – remember the whole weird dynamic. And then they traded for Brandon Cooks, and everyone figured Malcolm Butler was going to be in that trade because he clearly wanted to go to the Saints. He almost signed an offer sheet with them. And then he didn't get traded. They signed Gilmore, as you mentioned, which was before all that. But for sure, there's been – Butler, let's not mince words. He's been treated like crap since this, since he became a Super Bowl hero. This strikes me, and it, and it may be totally unfounded, but this is Belichick's mo: is, is if you either wrong him or are seen to like rock the boat, mm-hmm. you he may, he needs to make an example of you, and yeah. he does that. He sends his best players to the Browns for garbage. Yeah. He trades away Jimmy Garoppolo because of a, a spat with yeah. Kraft or Brady or whatever the, the actual reason is. We don't know, but. For for pennies yeah. for nothing, he just he decides that he's going to make an example out of you because we don't need you. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we don't need you. Yeah, and I, I think it's rampant among head coaches. It's similar, and this may be reading too far into it, but a couple of years ago when Marshawn Lynch is in a contract year in the Super Bowl, and he's ramming down the field, ramming down the field, yeah. and then they get to the one yard line and they throw the ball to I think Doug Baldwin. I'm not sure because I think so. Yeah, and and, and some people said. They didn't want Marshawn Lynch to win MVP and be the hero, yeah, and, and then, then have to either pay him a ton of money yeah. or or see him go somewhere else. Yeah. So, and I don't think that's the reason you yeah, make that any might decision. Be, that might be a leap, but like it's and so. But I think I think that's a factor for NFL head coaches. Is I mean, these guys don't get where they are because they're such wonderful people yeah. and they're so they're, they oh, yeah, they no. manage people. Yeah. They they build teams and they use people as tools. Yeah. And Bill Belichick especially. So yeah. I really I think some of it is. And I don't know what the reason is. I think it probably stems from all of that. And the, uh, I'm sure there's like an actual there's, poignant reason that there, we'll find out. Yeah. But this strikes me as a Bill Belichick just being a hardo and it actually backfiring for once. Yeah. And so, and I, I think that um, all those things are valid. The one thing I would say, I think, and we won't talk about this, this topic of it, but I don't think the Garoppolo thing was quite in the same boat. I think Garoppolo, I think was a, I don't think that was as any negative towards him. I think that was a contract situation, and he sent him to a team that he felt actually he'd have a good situation with. But uh, like the Jamie Collins thing is a good example. Chandler Jones is a good example. Yeah. Um, Richard Seymour, uh, Wes Welker. There's, there's, I could go on and on yeah. of players that he's gotten rid of when you didn't really think it was time to get rid of them. He didn't do that with Butler, though. That, that, so he didn't do it with Butler, and Butler plays 98% of the snaps all season. So that's what the big problem for me is, is that – you know, do this before the Super Bowl. Like, like yeah. the Super Bowl is not when you make a statement that you don't need a player. And yeah. if you do make that statement, sit him and have him not be dressed and use that roster spot for someone. That's the most shocking thing to me is that, like, of all the things about Belichick, he values roster spots so heavily. Like, yeah. if he can get a guy that can do two jobs in one roster spot, that's, like, his, like, that's his dream, basically, is a guy that can do that. And to waste a roster spot on a guy that's just going to sit on the sideline and cry the whole game. And have clearly an impact on other defensive yeah. players. I mean, there's no way that you, as a defensive player, aren't running off the field seeing that guy on your team who's a Pro Bowl caliber player 
sitting there crying. Yeah, and, but the, like, and the reaction from him after the game two leads yeah. you to believe that it was not just because of a game plan. Yeah. Like, he, he was like, I don't make the decision. Well, I could have affected this game. Yeah. Like, it's, it's pretty messed up. I mean, and did you see, like, the Eric like Eric Rowe as well? I mean, they talked to Eric Rowe, and Eric Rowe said that – so, yes, Eric Rowe did um, practice much of the week uh, starting opposite Gilmore. He did. Um, but Rowe said he found out about 20 minutes before game time that he was starting. Like, like yeah. he didn't know that he was going to be a starter, and he certainly said there was no indication that Butler was out of the game plan for that. And the thing and is, then, like, yeah. it's not like a position where – you. Like if something's going wrong and you have a better option, you can easily sub him in. Yeah, just just give him a chance. Just give him like, a chance. Like they that, they gave a, him zero chance. That's a player Even who after, could make a pick. Who could like? And Rowe yeah. played played admirably. He, he played, did. Yeah, he, didn't he played play okay. Poorly. He gave up yeah. a, a big touchdown or, or yeah. He had, you to, but he you, had to cover Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, was, and that was another I thought very very uh, bad mistake schematically for the Patriots was that Gilmore was not covering Jeffrey in the first half. Second half he covered Jeffrey and Jeffrey didn't do anything yeah. in the second half. So that was a separate thing, but. Yeah, and and the other thing, and, and this is to cap, like we won't spend too much longer on the Butler thing, but to cap it off, and another reason that it it's just to me so uncharacteristic and um, really disappointing from the coaching staff is a mistake that you know in, in a lot of ways the coaching situation I felt was flipped in this game on the script for the Patriots. I felt they got totally totally outcoached yeah. by the Eagles, and one thing about that is that I saw in a post game uh, uh, quote from one of the Eagles assistants, which I had totally forgotten about. The Eagles are the ones who cut Eric Rowe. The Patriots signed Eric Rowe as a free agent after the Eagles had cut him. And their Eagles assistant coach said, we knew as a fact that Alshon Jeffrey, Eric Rowe was a mismatch. Yeah. Like we, we had we Eric, saw it we had Eric yeah. Rowe for two years. Now, they didn't have him with Jeffries, but they, they played against Jeffrey they did in the Bears. Just, they did weirdly just throw the ball up to Alshon yeah. Jeffrey a lot. And, and he made plays yeah. and, and, until Gilmore was on him in the second half, and he didn't make all of those he plays He even that almost time. made that, the, the one that was a pick, yeah. he even almost made that one-handed catch. Yeah. And he yeah. just happened to Yeah, it just happened out. to get yeah. bad luck. And so, speaking of that pick, it's that pick and one punt is all that the Patriots' defense forced in this game. And, you know, you're, you're literally talking about one possession. If Malcolm Butler makes a play on one third down, then then you could win that game. Mm-hmm. And so that's really um, – we won't talk more about Butler, but yeah. to me that's by far – that's like the only thing I really can be really mad about about this game is that because I feel like it is – it's weird to say this, but it's one of the biggest black marks on Belichick's coaching legacy, I think. Like – I think it's a legitimate thing you can point to and be like, that was that's that's on him. That's like, coaching. But yeah. like you, you can't point to a lot of things and say, yeah, well, this or that could have happened. Like, I this, mean, this wasn't a game. A, this yeah. wasn't a game that was won because of luck from either side yeah. or like terrible, terrible yeah. officiating. I mean, there, there's stuff you can argue, yeah. but this was just a straight up football game yeah. that one coach outcoached the other. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, so. Okay, so there's a lot we can unpack. There's obviously. The big hit on Brandon Cooks. Yep. There's the catches that are are they catches or are they not? Yeah. Um. But we're. I mean, I don't really want to talk about either of those yeah. unless you have one thing or two things to say. So, uh, what I was gonna say was that the officiating and the rulings are the thing that I didn't want to talk about because okay. because I it doesn't matter if I agree with them or not because because yeah. I hate the for the same reason that I think. And we've spoken before about this. We even talked about it during the Jags game. For the same reason that I don't think the Patriots win because of calls, I don't think that's the reason they lost this game. Mm-hmm. They they didn't lose this game because the catch rule. That's not why. Like, mm-hmm. regardless of whether I thought they were catches, I kind of thought at least one of them wasn't, and I thought that the helmet to helmet hit could have been called. I don't think it's why they lost, and so I don't want to harp on those things. I think that if people are harping on them, it's it's 
it's giving a pass to some of the stuff that I've talked yeah. about here of why they lost this game. So that's a very mature take. I don't want to talk about those things. Cause, They're both catches yeah, for sure. I, <laughs> we're moving on from the catches. So, um, so I do want to actually talk about this because it 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 seems like there's some cracks showing in the Patriots. Yeah. Malcolm Butler's upset. Some of some players really, uh, I can't remember who, but they liked an Instagram post. That by said, Brandon Browner. By Brandon Browner, yeah. a former Patriot who said, like, you've made a mistake. Like, this person could have affected the game. And current Patriots liked it. And, like, the the, the caption said something about locker room divide and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and now your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator have both split. Yep. Um, I mean, Gronk could potentially retire. Came like, out of nowhere. But, yeah. But was valid. I mean, so. Yeah, I mean, it may, I would totally understand him retiring. Yeah. I, I mean, that's so. To me, that's more than just a little, like, I think a lot of people are writing off that as, like, oh, he's clearly not retiring. And and I think if I was betting right now, I don't think he's retiring either. But the reporter asked him that question. Did you, I don't know if you saw the video. I heard he didn't deny retiring. The reporter yeah. asked him, like, you know, there's been some speculation about you uh, contemplating your future and maybe retiring. And Gronk was like, Gronk kind of like, you know, he's looking down and sort of looked up and when he said that. And he's very bad at lying. He's, he's, and he didn't even really yeah. try to lie. He can't, He kind of like looked up as the reporter said that. And he's like, well, I don't know where you heard that, but I'm going to take a look at my future. Like, And so it started with the, I don't know where you heard that, yeah. as if like someone, he heard it from someone. Like, yeah. not like a, it wasn't like, a, oh, I don't know where you heard that. Yeah. But it was like, a, I don't, it was a more sincere, like, I don't know how you heard that. But yeah, I, I'm probably going to take a look at my future. So yeah. Well, some, I mean, he's someone had, in his circle. He's had a lot of injuries. Yeah. He's got Dunkin' Donuts money coming out the butt. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna well, retire. Well, he he's a bazillionaire, but he yeah. We've also we've talked about it. he's a brilliant marketer. He, does, he hasn't spent one dollar of his NFL salary. We talked about that as well. Yeah. He's only lived on endorsement money, so he can retire anytime he wants. And he certainly and he, he loves endorses, to do a lot of things besides football. He endorses I, I, everything. Yeah. So, and, and and he always will. Like he would he would be able to endorse things for the rest of his life in New England. So, yeah. Um, even if people would, you know, and he's got his people Super Bowls. would people would certainly be a little salty at him if he retired. I think like, you're going to get that from fans, but it would wear off very quickly. I, I think. think they. I, I, I mean, he he did. He's done enough that he would still be a personality here yeah. for a long time. So all of that put together, what is the future of the Patriots? Yeah. So for the first time on this podcast, I can't answer this sarcastically because you've asked me a hundred times <laughs> will, will, the pa- will the Pats ever, ever win, win a game? Another, will the Pats um, ever win another football game? And, and so we've reached the point where it's not a sarcastic question anymore. And it's it's it. not like a... It, now, I don't want that to be taken out of out of context and think yeah. I'm overreacting here, but um, it's finally a valid question of like, what is the future here? Both D coordinators are leaving... Or both coordinators are leaving. There seems to be some some tension in the locker room. They have like 28 expiring contracts not not all like huge players Brady is very old Brady's very old and so so that leads me to the last point there which is the the Super Bowl could have gone a couple different ways and I would feel very differently on one way or the other and this is partly why I'm not like maybe as upset as I thought I would be today is that if this Super Bowl was a loss in which Brady didn't have it in which Brady looked bad the offense looked bad yeah he looked slow he looked you know inaccurate, things like that, then I would be a lot, lot, lot more worried because you have all this turmoil and you have like, well, is Brady ever going to be able to just win you a Super Bowl again? Like, is that, is that miracle now off the table? And the only reassuring thing for me is that he played his best Super Bowl probably out of, out of his yeah. eight. It so was, it was a very well-played game yeah. by both sides. And, and so, so that's the thing to me that doesn't make me panic yet is that he's been saying all this stuff about wanting to play till 45 and, and whatever the case is, he's 40 now. So, He's obviously very old, but the fact that I didn't see any sign of a regression from him makes me think that things aren't maybe falling apart just yet. I don't think that the loss of, first of all, 
I'm going to say that Matt Patricia might be really overrated <laughs> because because mm, that, that, that take because this again this is just an inexcusable defensive performance in the Super Bowl. You can't give up 41 points in the Super Bowl against a backup quarterback. You yeah. just can't do that. And so I think Matt Patricia deserves a lot of criticism for that, and he might be a little overrated. So I don't think that him leaving is catastrophic. I think McDaniel's leaving is a bigger deal than people think. Um, McDaniel's is I think has been a great offensive coordinator, and he's had a great. Um, a great chemistry with Brady for a lot of years now. The and Pats offense has always run like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, they have. And this game doesn't exclude that. They had 613 yards of offense in this game, and people are, for some reason, thinking it's it's trivial that the offensive coordinator is leaving. So I do think those are all concerns. I think that a lot hangs in the balance of a guy like Gronk, for, for instance. I think if Gronk did decide to retire, and if there's, you know, if a few more players get upset about this Butler thing, like Dante Hightower is a player that liked that Instagram post. Yeah. He's a captain of your defense, like your best kind of middle linebacker there. I'm not going to deny that there's the possibility of some rifts here. I mean, there certainly are. Um, do I think it's over? No. I, th- I I expect the Patriots to be competing to get back in the Super Bowl next year. And I mean, as long as you have Brady, you will make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, so certainly making the playoffs is like – You've got a chance to win any, any game ex- in the playoffs. Exactly. You do. Um, and, and the other thing that I think um, – the last part of it that makes me somewhat still optimistic as a Pats fan, I think the Eagles played – Almost a perfect game. I mean, like, obviously their defense wasn't great. Back-to-back the Eagles, for Nick Foles. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that they just played outstanding. I thought they were coached phenomenally. I, like, there's nothing I can look at and say the Eagles didn't deserve to win. The Eagles 100% deserve to win that game. And so it, it leaves me with a taste that's a little bit better than when you lose. Like, you know, maybe one of the Giants games, I felt like they really should have won the game. Or, like, you know, you go into the next season and it's like everything's falling apart. I, I don't really feel that way, which – is maybe too optimistic of me, but um, you know I think that there's reason for concern, but I don't see it as being over yet, which I, a lot of people do. I, I understand that, and you're right. The, the Pats played an unbelievable game. They just played not as good of a game as the Eagles, yeah. who, like, they were running plays. They would they would run a trick play on fourth down, yeah. or they'd run, literally, they'd run a uh, halfback option up the middle on third and seven and yeah. get the yards. Cause yeah, the third downs were... They're just like, doing what they always do yeah. and not outthinking themselves like the Pats... Pats usually make teams do. Yeah. Like people try to run stupid trick plays at the wrong times or mm-hmm. they get in their own heads mm-hmm. and, and start making bad play calls on f- fourth downs and mm-hmm. whatnot. But Doug Peterson, to his credit, just kept his team moving the whole – even when they went there down. Was, yeah. Because like after that point, I was like, well, this is the point when teams start doing stupid stuff. They had the chance to. They yeah. had So, well, I, I wouldn't – actually, I I won't say this would have been stupid because I don't think it would have been stupid. But they had they had a fourth and five on their own side of the field. Yeah. And they decided to go for it. Yeah. Or was it fourth and five or fourth and one? I, it was a fourth down. I it can't remember. I, I can't remember how far it was, but it was on your own side of the field with about six minutes, five minutes, five or six minutes left. They could have punted it. They could have punted Brady it. Score again. Your, you got three timeouts. You could have punted it. Tried to hold them. Even if you don't hold them, they you're only down by eight at that point. Still, you still have a chance. They could have easily gone that route, and you could argue it would have been smarter. Like at that at that point in time with your yeah. three timeouts, you could argue it's a smarter play to but punt. But that it. wasn't the game they were playing, so it, the smart decision is to keep to, to do the what plan. you've been doing, yeah. and and more importantly, just to see how that strategy has worked against the Patriots in the past because it hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to punt it exactly. and, and try to stop them, and you know, especially in a losing, game like this where yeah. no one can stop anyone, anyone, yeah, like why would you give the yeah. offense the ball? I would have gone for it on every yeah. single fourth down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so um, I think the one, the one play I think that Doug Peter, which didn't end up being very consequential. I thought that in the um, after the Eagles scored their second touchdown and he decided to go for two that early in the game. Mm-hmm. I thought that was 
that was to me a potential sign of like he's kind of overthinking things. Like, yeah. why are you going for two already? It's like the first quarter, you know. Yeah. Um. And so, and they missed that two point conversion and ended up being down by one at the towards yeah. the end of the game. So, you know, that was crossing my mind as like, is that going to be the coaching move that people are going to point to and say you yeah. overthought it against the Patriots? But and then, even though he, he made up for it, and he gives because I think the Eagles missed a kick the first one, right? They, they did. The yeah. Point. So that's partly why he and went then for you, two. I think. But then but. you walk your rookie kicker out two more yeah. times for. Yeah. 45 and 47 yard field goals. The last one was huge. Yeah. People don't realize how big that last field goal was from 45 or 46 yards, I think, because he misses that field goal. It's it's um, a five point game or whatever it was. Same as the previous drive after the fumble. You know, you Patriots would yeah. have another chance. And they're on like the 38 yeah. or something like um, so that was a huge play as well. Um, and yeah, they he, he showed confidence in the players that he had and they just I, they played a nearly flawless game, especially offensively. They were basically flawless. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, cool. Well, that yeah. that wraps it up. I don't want to talk about it. the game's over. Congrats to the Eagles. Yeah. I, I actually am very happy for Nick Foles. I mean, that's such a cool story. I'm like, he's I'm a happy backup for quarterback. A lot of players who, on the Eagles. Yeah. I, like I, I'm obviously not a big fan of Philly fans. <laughs> um, we talked about that last yeah. week. But I and that's obviously not a sweeping generalization. There's obviously some some perfectly fine Philly fans out there. Um, but Good the Eagles the Eagles deserve um, the the Eagles players on this team. I think deserved it. There's a lot of guys on that team I like, Jay including Ajayi. two former Patriots and Legarrette Blunt and Chris Long. I think are both you know very good players and and good guys. I feel like so. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy for the guys on that team. And I think uh, I they deserve to win that game. Can so. you recognize what a call Jay, Jay Ajayi. Ajayi is? Yeah. He he was still playing through an injury. I think he didn't, yeah, he didn't, he didn't play as much as I would have expected him to. But two years ago, I said, "Pick him up. He's your yeah. fantasy sleeper." Yeah. Gets Arian Foster to retire. Takes the Eagles to the playoffs. Yep. Gets traded. Wins yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's a pretty fast trajectory for him. Uh, it's my it's the best call. I'll yeah. go down in history as being <laughs> the best call I've ever made. Uh, okay, so the rest of this stuff is stuff that you obviously weren't paying attention to because you were much. very invested in the game. But we at least should mention Kevin Hart gets denied at the podium. He was apparently hammered <laughs> and trying to get up. And this security guard is like, no, like you're not coming up. You're not coming. And he was, you could see him in the background as they're doing the, everyone touched yeah. the trophy ceremony. Yeah. Um, and he was just not going to make it up. That's great. Um, and which is great. Cause Kevin Hart is obnoxious and yeah. no one, like, I don't like him. Do you yeah, like him? No. He's just too much. And yeah. it, him being on the podium would have been the worst thing in the world. Yes, especially it drunk. It would have been terrible. Um, Justin Timberlake halftime show. Did you watch that? I did watch it. Um, what are your thoughts? I I have like no thoughts on it. Really. I, have so, I have so little thoughts I, on I, it. It was just like some people were saying it was horrible, and like I don't know. I guess I just don't know the criteria to make it call a halftime show horrible. I, I just didn't think it was like anything to talk about. I I just don't really care about the halftime show, and and it's especially again like when my team's in the game, I'm like I'm checking Twitter, I'm looking at, I'm texting people that I haven't, I'm not talking to anyone during the game. So like yeah. while while a play is going on, I'm not on my phone ever because my team's in the game. So I use commercial breaks and halftime to, to, to do that. Yeah. So, so I didn't really pay attention to it. I, I thought whatever I didn't. Yeah. Like, no big cameos, yeah. no in sync, no Janet Jackson, yeah. just Justin Timberlake playing some of his good songs, some of his bad songs <laughs> all over the stadium. He was in the tunnel. He was up in the stands. He mm-hmm. was in every section of the field that I kind of enjoyed that he was moving around a lot. Yeah. Um, other than that, it was just a concert. I think they, I mean, this is a, different conversation but they need to change the halftime show formula yeah uh, show me something else i don't i don't <laughs> know what it is but get creative yeah like cause i don't really care about watching a, maybe it's just me but watching a live performance yeah. of someone i don't really like or, or is just popular right now yeah and they have to try so uber hard to yeah. be like the coolest halftime show so they've all got tricks and gimmicks and yeah 
Lady Gaga jumped off the building last year. Justin Timberlake <laughs> like, runs up into the stands and takes a selfie with a yeah. kid. Like it's just all gimmicks, and I, I'm kind of over it. Yeah, I, I agree. I kind of want something different. Like I said this jokingly, like just put a magician out there. <laughs> like let a, let a guy on stage do magic tricks for <laughs> the halftime. I'd I'd be just as entertained. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I agree. I'm down um, to change it up. So another thing that you don't care about and didn't follow commercials. Yeah, Super Bowl commercials. So yeah. Derek. <laughs> I, we had this conversation. I said, I, there's obviously some that are better, some that are worse. What do you like? He goes, I don't. I didn't like any of them. I didn't watch any of them. Yeah. So which ones do you remember? Because I guess that's what's important yep. to a person who doesn't like the commercials. But yeah. now you've remembered one. So which <laughs> commercial did you remember? The commercial I remembered was the one that the Australian government paid for, which was to visit Australia. To, t- to just tourism in Australia. That is That's ho- it. that is a hilarious That's, one to remember. And it was the one with it looked like a movie trailer, and then it was a, a commercial for Australia. It was uh, Chris Hemsworth, Dundee, yeah, and uh, Dan- Danny McBride. Yeah, that is a movie Crocodile coming Dundee. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but so but the commercial itself was for it turned it you know what turned out to not so, be a movie trailer. Are you going a, to Australia? Not as of now, no. Um, but so didn't convince you. Didn't convince me, but I feel like that commercial will work. I do. How? I feel like people are like the whole world saw it, and it it's o- like it they, they might check out flights to Australia. It obviously now, worked for you. It worked. Well, it didn't really work for me. You remember it? I remember it. I remember it. That's all that That's matters. True. That is true. And I'm going to consider going to Australia the next time I'm looking to go somewhere crazy. That so. is hilarious. Okay, the best commercial, obviously, the whole set of commercials was the "It's a Tide" commercial. Yes. Which starts out. You, the thing is, you kind of had to be paying attention to commercials to to enjoy it as a as a theme. Right. But they started off with like a bunch of fake TV shows and like almost like a fake movie trailer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if everyone is wearing a white T-shirt or a clean T-shirt, it's a Tide commercial because like, everything's clean. And all the Super Bowl commercials, people wearing clean clothes. Then it was doing parodies of other commercials. It was like the Mr. Clean. He was like in a bald – like the Mr. Clean guy has got like all white on. And he's mm-hmm. got he's like cleaning the kitchen and some ladies dancing. And it's uh, the guy from um, Stranger Things. And he goes, no, no, Karen, Karen. It's a Tide commercial, and it just says it, like hashtag It's a Tide commercial, um, and it actually was funny because they took all other commercials and made them Tide. Com- like yeah. they they basically said everything you see is going to be a Tide commercial. Yeah, and then you thought about it the rest of the time. And then you thought about it the yeah. rest of the time, and, it, and the the announcer was even like brought to you by Bud Light and Tide and Tide and Tide. Like that's how that's how yeah. he would talk. Yeah. Um. So I think Tide wins yeah. the commercials. What they really- should have done. What they also should have done is they should have um. Uh along the same line they could have um just purchased like a like a two second slot like after some of those commercials and see tried to see if like uh nbc would do it like after literally after a commercial just like put up a black screen that has white text that says like that was a tide ad or something yeah. you know just to like keep reminding people that's kind of what they did it's basically what they did without the being that explicit but it, i think would have been funny to add in that little like be reminded of it like you just saw a commercial where everyone had clean shirts on and then just be like yep that was a tie ad. Like, yeah so uh. Anyway, yeah. that about wraps it up for the Super Bowl. Any any parting thoughts on Super Bowl Fifty Two? I don't think so. No. Congrats to the Eagles. Um, they I, that it's probably the least upset I have been about a Super Bowl loss. Um, on one hand, I felt it was very winnable, but um, I, I can't be upset because I think that the Eagles were the better team. On Pats the field. are dead, baby. So, Pats we'll, are see. Dead. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll see how what what happens next year. This off season, really. The king I mean, is dead. Long live the king. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of topics. So, we'll see if there the are a lot of topics. Mainly okay. the AFC sucks still. So I'm not. The AFC sucks <laughs> so much. Um, okay, so actually, the next big event in sports this past weekend, 
The Puppy Bowl. Yeah, the Puppy Bowl. What'd you think? I didn't watch it. I didn't watch either. <laughs> I always miss it. Yeah. And I'm always sad I missed it. Yeah. I'm always sad I missed See, it. See, what time is it actually on? I wasn't even doing doing anything. I just forget about yeah. it. Yeah. What time is it actually on? Like noon. Oh. I, I thought, it, okay, yeah. Does it go all the way through like kickoff? I or don't like, think it goes six hours. <laughs> yeah, no, but do they air it? Like, like do uh, they, they repeat I it? I think there's like a kitten bowl. Because I did notice like we were sitting at my friend's house where we were watching the game and like I got there a little early. We, I mean, we had It's some like food. the Super Bowl. There's pregame analysis. But from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock, I was like, 6 o'clock came and someone was like, oh, should we put the puppy bowl on? And I'm like, well, no, not now. It's 6 o'clock. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to put the puppy bowl on now. The game starts in 30 minutes and like they're going to do the national anthem and stuff. But I wish we watched it from 5 to 6. Like that, like as soon as they said that, I was like, why weren't we watching it from 5 to 6? Like I don't want to just watch players run around the field in their sweatpants. Like, yeah. Because I'm already nervous and stressed about the game. Why don't we have the puppy bowl on? That's why I can just watch puppies. Yeah. So, um, so mistake by us. The puppy bowl in classic puppy bowl fashion comes down to the wire. Team Fluff brings back the Lombarki Trophy as repeat champs this year. Wow. So wow. congrats to Team Fluff. Yeah. MVP was a dog named Bear. That's always good. Yeah, that's a great um, name for a dog. Yeah, so uh, props to Team Fluff for yeah. the uh, repeat champs. Yeah. Um, and bringing the Lombarki Trophy back to – Wherever Back Team Fluff, wherever Team Fluff <laughs> is from, yeah. And also, know. it's Team Ruff versus Team Fluff. Right, 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 right. Like R U F F. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a dog. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. So it's a good, it's a good, it's a good thing. Pun. It's, it's a good a pun. It's a good thing. Yeah. Puppy Bowl is a good thing. Ruff and Fluff, those are good team names. And the Lombardi Trophy, it's funny. It's like, all very good. Yeah, it's good. They're all good dogs. It's good. It's a good event. <laughs> it's very good puns. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Cool. So, anything else on the Puppy Bowl? Uh, that's all I have to say about the Puppy Bowl today. All righty. It's going to bring us into period number three, which will be quick, but it is pop culture. All righty. So pop culture, we got one topic. Um... It is a movie review by you. Movie a review. Movie that You've I seen think it. I already see, I saw, and I think I might have done it in a final drive. Definitely something, reviewed so. it. Um, watched The Big Sick. Yeah. Um, it's with Kamel. I don't know his last name, but the um Indian comedian yep. from Silicon Valley. Yep. Um, a very 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 funny movie. Very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, consistent laughs throughout, and one of the better, more realistic rom coms I feel that yeah. I've watched in a long time. Yeah. Um, it, it's the basic story is this guy isn't from a very traditional, um, Middle East. What is it? What are they? Um, Pakistani, Pakistani. That's right. From a very, um, traditional Pakistani family. His parents want him to marry a woman from Pakistan or or a woman with Pakistani values. And he falls in love with an American. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's hiding her from his family. They end up finding out there's big rift. She happens (laughs) to. I don't want to give anything away, but the big sick, she gets very sick. Yeah. The sick that she gets is big. <laughs> so the hence the name of the movie. Yeah. And she's in a coma. And so he stays with her. This is after they've broken up and there's been terrible like, I can't be with you if, if you're, I'm going to ruin your family. And she's he's like, you wouldn't know anything about my family, blah, blah, blah. Um, so he ends up staying with her. He meets his her parents. They get very close. And I thought that was the best part of the movie. Yeah. Ray Romano gives the best performance I've ever seen. Yeah. He's yeah. hilarious. He, if you like dad jokes, this is your movie. <laughs> this is your freaking movie. Yeah. Um, wraps up all nice and neat. Uh, a little awkward at times, just like most rom coms yeah. are. But overall, very very good. I'm gonna give it 
What did you give it? I don't remember. It was high though. I think I gave it. I probably gave it high eighties if I had to remember. But I think I'm gonna give it an eighty-seven. Steve Nicholas 87. avocados, certified guac. Certified guac. There it is. Certified guac. Yeah. If you like rom coms or just comedies in general, it's very very good. Yeah. Highly recommend. I agree with that entire review. And I it, think. And yeah. it touches on some topics that aren't typically talked about. Yeah. Like this almost religious aspect of yeah. dating and stuff like that which is yeah. very interesting there yeah there was there was a lot of that, that all the way around and by the way it was a true story too which is i didn't realize until the very end of oh, credits yeah. yeah but so, yeah. his true story his true story like it's I, actually I thought, his life like, i did yeah. not know that too i've heard it was yeah. a true story a bunch of times yeah it's actually it's, him yeah the like, kumail and his wife yeah right and, yeah. and so the the actress is obviously different but like at the end of the movie they show the pictures and stuff and it, yeah it's 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 the story when, when of him and his wife yeah. Rob, i was watching with rob and he he Wikipedia stuff halfway through movies like a psychopath so he could see the ending. That is and a psychopath saw, move. <laughs> and he saw all the time. He does it all the yeah, time. Yeah. And he saw that um, <laughs> it was a true story. He goes, oh, this is like, this is a true story. Yeah. I was like, cool. Like yeah. they show, He's like, they show him at the end. I was like, yeah. cool. Yeah. And I was like, true story. Is Thinking it's a true story about someone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, he pops up on screen. Uh, they, sh- they show photos at the end. And yeah. I go, wow, that looks a lot like him. And Rob goes, no, it's him. <laughs> yeah. It's his true story. Yeah. And they showed another one. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. That's what I yeah. think. That was the best moment. And he like I think he wrote and produced it and everything, right? Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure he wrote it. I'm not positive about that, but so but yeah. it's a very good, very interesting, good movie. I mean, I, the yeah. fact that it's a true story, and you can kind of tell once it's once it's over, you're like, you know, that definitely happened because the jokes in it are too real. Yeah, well, it's very relatable. Yeah. It's very like it's it's not it's not it doesn't have the cheese of like a exactly. rom com because there's because it's just true. There's there's no cheesiness like and it's, che- not, it's real life. And the cheesiness is. Almost real cheesy. It's like yeah, like just stuff that girls or guys would do in certain situations, just kind of amplified a bit yeah, for and, the humor. Yeah, and then and then like after the turning point of like of her getting sick, obviously the whole premise of the movie. Once they're going through that tough time, the cheesiness comes from like the the humor that gets manufactured to deal with it. You yeah, know? It, it's like like uncomfortable. It's like humor. everyone is yeah. is go is hating what they're going through right now, and so it's just like manufacturing humor to try to keep yourself sane. I'm bumping it up. 88. 88 Steve Nicholas. Certified guac. Certified guac. So the big sick, uh, definitely recommended. If you have Amazon Prime, it's totally free to watch on on Amazon Amazon Video. So so there you go. Anything else on pop culture? I think that was... I think that's the only pop culture topic this week. I think so too. The, the, I mean, the halftime show was kind of, I guess, sort of pop culture-y. I think some of the Kardashians are pregnant. Oh yeah, one of them had a baby or something. Or had a baby. I think Kylie had a baby. What I heard, I think she has the lip kits. Yes, right. So I don't know. I have no idea. Now she has little kids. Yeah, lip she kits lip and little kids. kids. Yeah, maybe she's gonna name her kid Lip Kits or something. Because that would run in the family for choosing a good name for lip your kids child. Kardashian. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great to me. So, um, all right, bring us to the final drive. You want to go first? You want to go second? You want to go third? I am interested in yours, so you go first. All right, I'll go first. Um, the Beverly is what I have written down here, which maybe you don't know what that is. Mm-mm. Okay, so you're gonna remember what it is quickly. Oh. It's kind of it's kind of cool, but it's kind of sad because it's the end of an era. But I've got oh. my housing figured out for after that my roommates sad. leave. My roommates Steve and Rob are moving away in August, probably Bye-bye. to go to school potentially, and I had to find some housing, and so I jumped on it early. Um, and so I saw this place near the uh, TD Garden. It's called the Beverly. And can you, it's interesting. Can, can you start calling it the Beaverly? The Beaverly. I'll call it the Beaverly. <laughs> so, the Beaverly is, um, it's it's interesting. It's actually an interesting um, development because it's Boston's first income-controlled housing unit uh, or housing building, uh, basically. So, 
Um, there's, there's a bunch of low income units and then all the way up through a pretty high salary range, they have income controlled units. So, um, I applied for it. Uh, there was a lottery. I didn't get picked originally, then got drawn off the wait list and base and I got the chance to go get it. So it's going to be a brand new place, um, right across from the garden. And it's, it's pretty much tied to your income. So. I actually have a question about that. Yeah, sure. Are you on the same floor as people? Are you in this, like, is it obvious that the other people on your, like, living situation are making the same amount of money as you oh that's a good question because like then you're going to be like this is weird because now i live with all of these people who are technically in my socioeconomic level that's true i didn't think about that and it's kind of weird so that the answer to that and are you like is it does it go up are you like are you like worst worst lowest is at the bottom and it goes all the way up like a movie Um, so and you have to fight your way to the top that's actually a really good question that it literally could be um because what i do know is that my room doesn't have a particularly great view I mean, it's like it's it's on like the sixth floor, and I think there's probably you like definitely twenty on, something uh, floors. You were definitely on the sixth floor level of income. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, right. And, like, and so, if I was to think, where does Derek probably fall in? Yeah. a twenty-person range of a yeah, yeah, sixth floor. Sixth, and, and and like they even said it, they were like from the bottom. They were like, yeah, the, all the like north and south facing buildings that face either the Zakem Bridge or like the city skyline, like those are all for those are like the most expensive ones, and and. and and yeah, so it's like the most expensive ones. That's not someone who can like have their their parents who are rich give them that apartment. It's literally you have to be making that much money to even slot into that most expensive one. So the ones with the views they did say are the most expensive ones. I don't know. This is a I would movie. Be, I would be pretty shocked if it was like literally from ground up. Have you seen Snowpiercer? But, uh, yes. You're in the back yeah. of the train right now, <laughs> and you have to get to the rich part of the train. I know. I know. I'm gonna. Yeah. My goal is just move every year, <laughs> yeah. one floor up. Keep just going. Just move my couch and everything up one floor. <laughs> Literally moving on up in the world. Um, that is hilarious. So, I hope that's true. Yeah. So I, I don't think it is totally like that, but um, it is probably a, to some extent like that. So um, interesting concept. We'll see how it goes. But um, but yeah, that's that's exciting new thing. So that is exciting and a new sweet. thing. So that's it. That's my drive. That's it. Okay. So my final drive is Cozy Book Corner. Cozy Book Corner. All right. So I just finished A Civil Action. It's the name of a book by Jonathan Haar. Um, It's actually uh, relevant to Boston and and potentially you if you're interested. Um, A city called Woburn, Massachusetts. Woburn. Know where it is? Know where it is? I do. Yeah, north. Um, It was contaminated years and years and years ago in the 70s, 60s and 70s with these two huge American corporations, Beatrice and W.R. Grace, two chemical corporations. Uh, they were dumping chemicals, and within like a two-block radius, like f- seven to ten kids had leukemia, which is insane. Like yeah. way too many people had leukemia, and they blamed the, wa- the, the water tasted different, and, and there was all these reasons why they thought these kids were getting leukemia from the environment. This was before leukemia was even a thing. The people didn't really know what caused it or, yeah. or how to survive it, let alone treat it. And so this lawyer... Boston-based, takes the case. He kind of gets screwed left and right. They make him split the case up into two. Like, A, did the companies do it? B, did it kill the kids? So, like, he's basically running a science experiment, funding leukemia research, spends millions and millions of dollars to prove that these chemicals cause leukemia, which is the most intense uh, chemical research ever done, and it was for a trial. Um, So it's all this back and forth, very, like, legal strategy and it's very dense like it's not just an emotional appeal to the leukemia kids they're, they're barely in it um, but as a towards the end I was desperate to know what happened yeah you're let down a bit in the trial but it's a true story it's nonfiction all of these people 
are, they're going to the littlest bar for drinks. They're walking up and down State Street. They're like in our town, yeah. and they're they're handling this huge, huge. Uh, I think it's um, I'm trying to malfeasance case or yeah. a malpractice case or whatever, whatever it actually is. Um, but it's it's crazy. So they, they end up spending millions of dollars. They put their houses up for collateral. They put their cars yeah. up for collateral, and they they refuse to settle multiple times. So it's very, very, very contentious. And right. by the end, the only bad thing is it's. It's a true story, so it doesn't have a fairy tale ending. Yeah, it, right. it kind of sputters like a legal case this size would. Yeah. Um, but overall, I loved it. I don't love nonfictions. I very, if you do, I very much recommend it. Um, a civil action, eighty-eight percent Steve Nicholas Avocado. Eighty-eight. Same as the big set. You got eighty-eight's wild. Eighty-eight's wild. So. Double eighty-eight's. Although very different topics. Yeah. <laughs> One's well, actually, I guess they're both. They're both true. Both cancer. Yeah. <laughs> related. True. Yeah. So yeah. not that different after all. True stories. Not that different. Oh, Cozy Book Corner, 88% yeah. Civil Action. There, you, there you go. So uh, Cozy Book Corner, a Civil Action, 88%. And I think that does it for episode 94, if you heard it here a second. Any other, anything else you want to close up with? Uh, no, I'm just going to say later days. All right. Say it again. Later days. <laughs>